0: this podcast is brought to you by no one i can't see anything my visor's fogging up if you take your tear-offs off you may get rid of the water yeah i'm starting to starting to clear on the show today, Albon 2020 versus Perez 2021. There's something about Monaco, the constructor's power rankings, McLaren's new livery, and your stat of the week and more. But first, we need to hand the mic over to a man. A man that lost his virginity before his dad did, and a man that counted to infinity twice. That man is David Croft. Take it away, corrupted. It's lights out and away we go! Once a week, one man emerges from the pit lane to deliver all the news, discussion, and results of Formula One. Well, that time has arrived. Sit back, relax for the Park It in My Fermé show. Here is your host, Colby. <laughs> Is Right, ladies and gentlemen, it's your main squeeze, coolie aka okay, the Kooltopotamus, and I have to tell you, I have been lurking down by the swamps of Formula One, just lapping up as much F1 goodness as I possibly can, and I have to tell you this, I'm one thirsty boy, oh my god, I'm so terribly sorry, I usually I don't have my phone on me, let me just get this one. Yes, hello. Yes, this is he. What? My Fermé? You found it? <laughs> well, wow, ladies and gentlemen, you heard it here. My Fermé has been found, so make sure you saddle up and park it in there. As it is the Park It In My Fermé show, the show that talks all things Formula One. All the discussions, news, opinions, races, results, love triangles, and more. And What a juicy mammoth colossus show we have for you today. You don't want to miss out on any of it, and if you have missed out on it, head over to parkingmyfurmate.com to catch up on all previous 37 episodes, or better yet, just down look look down. Look down right now at that listening device of yours. Your podcast listening app right there. See that subscribe and follow button? Or we'll gently caress and press into it. Oh, just do it with the tip of your finger. And you can be one of the first people in the world to hear my sweet, sexy, soothing sounds twice a week. You want more? I don't blame you. At in My Fair Mate on the socials, Twitter, Insta and Facebook. I'm there. But today, we are going to talk about Alex Albon versus Sergio Perez. Who is on top in that one? The Constructors' Power Rankings, Monaco's Pros and Cons. and Why so many people either love it or hate it in Monaco. There is no in-between, And your stat of the week, but first, we must start with the news. No, no, news, 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 news. Coldy, Formula One news, pocket in my Fermi, Formula One news. It's the pimp news, pimp news, didn't steal this, it's definitely the pimp news, pimp news, pimp news coming through your ears right now. Pocket in my firm, Formula One news, pimp news, yeah. It is right, it's Pimp News Time. Whistleman, do your thing. Now we're going to start with happy news because we had just a happy show today. So much positivity and love. I love it. Congratulations to Roman Grosjean. Got pole position. We mentioned this in the last episode. He managed to get pole in the IndyCar race series over there in the United States. And now it's going on in the race, he was able to finish second. So not a bad effort there by Roman Grosjean. So big congratulations to him! And no one didn't want to see him find success in motorsport. We couldn't have him leaving on a bad note like he did. We never wanted the lasting memory of his racing career to be the inferno in Bahrain. And so he's still going to have his chance in France. To uh, chance in France <laughs> to test drive that Mercedes. But big congratulations! He's having some success, huge success over in the IndyCar series over in the States. Well done to Roman Jean Moving on other news it's all happy it's all happy news today McLaren livery got a little bit of a facelift for Monaco McLaren went with the golf inspired livery with the colours of the golf oil company at next weekend's Monaco Grand Prix Golf's iconic blue and orange colour scheme has featured on a number of racing cars in the past including the McLaren F1 GTR that finished second at the 97 Le Mans 24 hour but has never before raced in Formula 1 and it looks fucking schmick An amazing design and one that will stand out in Monaco, easily one of the best liveries on the grid if you haven't checked it out and don't want to wait until the race head online and check it out. It's incredible. We've seen a few of these one-off liveries in the past, but it isn't something that happens that often. Probably due to the cost involved, but I would love to see more teams do special liveries similar to like alternative, alternate jump jerseys and uniforms in the NBA and Premier League. Um, that clubs wear. Again, I understand the cost is a factor here, but definitely, definitely help with merch. There was a a different alternate, uh, polo for McLaren. I'd, I'd stray from the orange and go for one of those. If it looked like that livery. But, hey guys, it was the happy positive news time and that is it for the news. Now, we need to move on and talk about the upcoming race this weekend. Now, there's a lot of discussion each and every year around Monaco Grand Prix. Maybe not last year since we didn't even have the race. It's a highlight on the race calendar. However, not all opinions on the track are positive. In fact, a lot of true race fans don't actually like the track and I can see why. I've traveled to Monaco myself and gambled in the main casino there and it was one of the highlights of my life. An incredible experience and I cannot wait to go back and I definitely want to be there for a Grand Prix, but watching the race on TV, sometimes I struggle with it. I love Formula 1, I love racing, but I sometimes struggle with it. I can fall asleep during it because there is a lack of overtaking, there's a lack of competition. And even when a safety car is needed, it takes forever for them to clear the track. Yes, and although it does bunch up the field, it doesn't really matter because no one's going to be able to overtake anyway. It has the least amount of overtakes out of any race on the calendar. In 2016, Monaco had four overtakes. The average at a circuit was 23 that year. On average over the past 20 years, Monaco has averaged 11 overtakes a race. 44% of pole sitters end up winning the race, compared to 41% at any other circuit. So if you qualify fastest, you're going to win. More more so than not, compared to other races. 16% of all race wins at Monaco have come from 4th or lower. Okay, that's quite low, compared to 23% at all other circuits. So if you're not on that front row, you ain't got a, you ain't got a shot. These are the negatives. It's a street circuit, it's narrow, it's short. There's not really a lot of room for improvement. We can't really expand the track. There are buildings in the way. We're going to have to start knocking some of them down. And after we have a race in Porto Mayo, followed by the second de Barcelona, Catalunya, which, by the way, is the fourth worst track when it comes to overtaking, it just highlights even more how boring this race can be. If you're going to have the Monaco GP in your calendar, split it up. Put it somewhere else, next to some high-octane overtaking tracks. I understand you probably can't do that that easily, but something that needs to be looked at. It doesn't need to be removed from the calendar, far from it. And I personally love the track itself. It's the home that built the legacy of Ayrton Senna. Six-time Monaco race winner, five consecutive times in a row, Podium, eight out of the ten races there. He was a freak. It gave us the iconic photo of Daniel Ricciardo falling into the pool when he won. It brings celebrities partying on their million dollar yachts and there's always a chance for Kimi to retire early and go partying shirtless somewhere. And what we saw in Spain gives us all hope for an interesting Monaco, I'll tell you why. Because if Pirelli brings the right tyres that will fall apart and not last forever, then we could have a race on our hands. That's what happened in Spain. It was overtaking because the tyres were crap, not because of the circuit itself. I understand there are many hours mapping out a Formula 1 season and a Formula 1 calendar, so logistically it makes a lot of sense. But can we not have Monaco and other tracks where there isn't a lot of overtaking next to each other on the calendar? Break it up. Now if I show you an ugly girl and an ugly girl and an ugly girl you're just gonna think there's nothing but ugly girls around the place but if i show you suzuka then monaco yes logistically it's not great then silverstone if we mix it up like that then all of a sudden you're sitting back oh man every one of these races bellissimo it stays as one of my favorite tracks because of the history there 2022 is just around the corner And that will be a great opportunity to see if Monaco, with the new regulations, can put on a show. Let's not write off 2021 too quickly because after all, after all, I just looked online. And it may be a little wet out there. And not because Mazepin drove into the ocean or Russell took off his shirt. No, no, no. Forecast. She calls for rain. So qualifying is going to be the most exciting thing we see all weekend and I cannot wait. What do you guys think? Head over to the socials at parkitinmyferme and, and let me know, is Monaco still one of the great tracks? What should the FIA do to make it more interesting race with more overtaking? Or is it fine just the way it is? But now, it's time for your stat of the week. I'm a stat man! Formula One stat man. Call cool, these a stat man. Yeah, stats. Uh, I'm a stat man. Oh cool, yeah. Oh yeah, stat time, yeah. Oh, so much stats, so many stats. I don't know if this intro is even long enough. There's that many stats. Uh, Stats, 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 yeah. Oh, so many stats. Uh, I'm a stat man. That's right, I am a stat man and I'm here to talk about some stats. We're going to talk more about polls we're going to still celebrate lewis hamilton 100 poles incredible record well no we keep saying he it's it's a new record every race he sets a pole it's going to be a new record he's not passing anyone it is what it is so we're going to have a look at one stat in particular because we brought up that he's won 100 he's won 59 races from pole position 100 poles 59 wins that's incredible. 59%. But did you guys at home know that's only the third highest pole to win ratio? Formula One? Pathetic. Hamilton's got no idea what he's doing out there. You know who's higher? Fernando Alonso. Oh, he's got a completion percentage of 63.6%. 63.6% of the time he's on pole, he wins. Amazing. Not as amazing as the person who's in number one. The true goat, Pastor Maldonado. Oh, ho, 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 ho. One poll, one victory. That's all he needed. Thank you very much. That was your stat of the week. bee He's a stat, man. Ooh, that was a good stat. Yeah, such a good stat. Such a, such a good stat. You know it was. He's a stat, man. Hey. Let's go on with the show. Cordy's pretty cool. Yeah. That's right, Cordy is pretty cool. And we're gonna move on to something that I didn't think I'd be discussing this season. After everything that happened last year and the amazing effort that that one driver did over the others, I just thought it'd be a clear cut. No one made an error. The moves in the off season were perfect as they are and, and everyone's winning. Carlos Sainz going to Ferrari. We thought that'd be a disaster. Leaving McLaren to go there. What's happening now? Danny Rick. Renault to McLaren. What's happening now? Everything's looking good. We also thought Sergio Perez going from Racing Point, which is now Aston Martin, across to Red Bull. He made the right choice. So did Red Bull. Although, did they? That's what we're going to have a look at. We're going to have a look at Alex Albon versus Sergio Perez. So far, four races in. Now, we give Albon a lot of shit. We did. Last season, I just. I just went at him. Mr. They Raced Me So Hard, he copped it from everyone, myself included. Max, the teammate killer, struck again after claiming Danny Rick, although I don't really count that one because Danny was pretty good there. Pierre Gasly, and now Alex Albon. He made Alex look like a ripe numpty, and everyone, including myself, were calling for him to be dropped. You know, especially after Gasly won in Italy. They wanted to swap him out again. Everyone did. Christian Horner stuck with him for the entire season, which I thought was a bold move, a wrong decision at the time. But looking back on it, it was a good decision. It was such a class act. I look back at Albon's season in 2020, and he actually had an alright season. It's just that we compare everything that anyone does to what Max does. Because our brain is telling us that the cars are the same. It's an even playing field, and so it's easier to compare it that way. But that couldn't be further from the truth. The best way to compare Albon, and whether or not he had a successful season, is to compare him to other number two drivers to Max Verstappen. To see whether or not it was the right decision for Red Bull to stick with Alex Albon. He was replaced this year with Sergio Perez, a man who outperformed that racing point in 2020 tremendously. He dominated it, scoring points in all but one or two races and even getting an F1 win in Bahrain after dropping to the back of the grid. While all the drivers' seats were being filled, he sat back, put his head down and continued to dominate. It was getting to a point where Red Bull hadn't signed Albon, but we all knew the writing was on the wall and eventually Albon was replaced with Checo. Now Perez is in the hot seat at Red Bull and he is facing the music. Max is able to win a race and sit on the podium all four races this year and Sergio is nowhere to be seen, not even scoring points in Imola. So did Red Bull make the right decision to replace Albon so quickly? Let's take a little look. Four races into this season, Perez has scored in three of the four races with no, point, with no podiums, with a fifth, an eleventh, a fourth and a fifth. He's now 6th in the Drivers' Championship. Okay, alright. New car, he's learning how to drive it, alright? How did Albon go last year? Without a bendy wing, and with Mercedes being miles ahead of the rest of the pack. He got a 13th in Austria first race. A race where someone forced him off the track when he was in a podium position. He then went on to get a 4th, a 5th and an 8th. After four rounds, Alex Albon was also sitting sixth in the Drivers' Championship. Alex Albon, who is much younger and has a bright future, is doing just as well in a Red Bull as Sergio Perez is right now. In fact, Alex Albon was doing better than Gasly was in 2019, where Gasly got an 11th in Australia, followed up by an eighth, a sixth, and a DNF. So was Alex Albon the man that Red Bull needed all along, or are we putting too much pressure on the Red Bull number two driver too early yet again? I think the problem Red Bull are having is that the cars they are designing are for Max. You see, Max is their golden child, their hope for a world championship. They wanna make Max happy and I get that, but what would really make Max happy is a teammate that can help him when it comes to team strategies, okay? A teammate that is up there fending off Bottas. So Mercedes don't always have a two driver to one advantage. Two drivers at the front of the grid. So maybe, just maybe, Red Bull need to stop focusing on Max's car for a few weekends and give Sergio's a chance to compete. What do you guys think? Let me know over on the socials at Parking in My MyFermo. Slide into those DMs like your Mazovins sliding off the track. I'll be sitting back. Arms wide open, ready to catch you. Ready to whisper sweet nothings into your ear? Just, just want to hear your opinion. Okay. In the last episode, we talked about the drivers' power rankings. <laughs> oh, I think now it's time to talk about the constructors' power rankings. Let's break down how the constructors are going after four rounds, where they're sitting, whether or not they've improved or fallen down. I know I've got some wrong from the start of the year. All right. I have. I'm struggling. At about the quarter of the year mark, around after race 6, we're going to listen back to some of the predictions I made at the start of the season just to see how I'm tracking along. So make sure you subscribe and follow so you don't miss out on that. But, let's break down the constructors because although we did the drivers and there'll be some shocks here, I'm telling you, it's not going to be all smooth sailing. Constructors are made up of two drivers, no individuals, it's a team. So number 10, no shock here, it's Haas. I'm sorry guys You're down the bottom Your car is trash Your drivers aren't flash But you do have the cash And that rhymes Ooh Does that ever rhyme? I know you're focusing on 2022 As you should be right now Get the drivers doing their laps Get their experience up Get them some overtaking I like it I like what you're doing I'm not too worried I love Mick I think Mick's coming along quite nicely the Nikita Not so much But we'll see how everything's going and we'll reassess at the end of the year if you're ready for 2022. You're probably going to be down there all year long. Number nine, Williams. Now, Williams, I probably would have had a lot higher at the start of the season. I definitely had it higher. Uh, Williams, I did have um, doing a lot better. Latifi, no improvement at all with Latifi. He's sliding off the track. He doesn't look confident in that car. Uh, Latifi is struggling. George Russell, big surprise here. Still Mr. Saturday dominating the qualifying but, you know, he's had a couple of those last two races, not so much. You know, he, he crashed into Bottas in Imola uh, three races ago. Portimao, he was struggling a little bit, couldn't control the car. I, I think Williams are down there. I don't think there's only one There's only one team worse off than Williams right now, and that's got to be Haas. Uh, number eight, Aston Martin. All the way down there, formerly Racing Point, formerly Force India. They are slipping down the field. They don't look good, and they're going backwards too. The car's undrivable. You've got two drivers, one a world champ, one who, who managed to qualify on pole before. All right, and then not really getting much out of that car. So whatever hindered Mercedes at the start of the year with the regulation rule change, that also hindered Aston Martin. Mercedes seemed to at least get on with it. Aston Martin, you're sooking and you're going backwards. Number seven, Alfa Romeo. Oh, I love Alpha Romeo. I want to put them higher. I don't think I can because they're not scoring any points and they don't look too good. But I love what they're doing. They're heads down. They're a bit of a nothing. They're not doing anything wrong. They're going out there. They're racing hard. They don't crash out. They, they do the good stuff. No controversies. Kimmy with the radio calls. Love it. Yeah, Kimi crashed into his own teammate. We can ignore that I said they don't crash out. But they... They're good. I like Romo. I can see them scoring some points. I really can. Because they're always there at the end of the race. They're not going to have mechanical issues. They're not going to crash out. They're looking really good. Number six, Alpha AlphaTauri. I really wanted Alpha AlphaTauri to be a lot higher on this list and I probably had them. Third or fourth at the start of the year because I really like Gasly. I think Tsunoda is going to be a freak. But at the moment, Tsunoda can't find any sort of pace or reliability in his drive consistency in his driving and Gasly seems to be struggling as well so I think that's really let them down there's uh, a few mechanical issues a few car issues but it's mainly the drivers on this one I think that's why I've got to have them all the way down at sixth number five Alpine and that's all because of Ocon right now Fernando Alonso other than Bahrain where you got into Q3 I I'm not impressed with what you're doing this year Esteban Ocon though last couple of races what's that about You know, I never used to be a big Esteban fan. But now he is flat out doing his thing, and I like it. He's pulling that team all the way up to fifth in the power rankings. Let's move on. Here's the big controversy right here. Number four, Red Bull. Oh, they give you bendy wings. What's going on down at number four? And that's where it's a team effort. No individuals. Sergio Perez. He just can't get it. That number two cursed seat, I talked about it earlier. But that's just, that's what it is. It's just a cursed seat. Maxi boy's still doing his thing, but they need to work together. They need to be both up at the front of the grid, putting that pressure on Mercedes. Um, The reliability in the car's pretty good. I haven't seen any issues. Pit stops have been great for him. It, It really is just that number two driver's pulling him down in that power rankings. Moving on, number three, Ferrari. Never thought I would ever be saying that. Not after last year. Ferrari number three in the Power Rangers. I love what they do. Look, right now, go to your Google images, look up a picture of the drivers for Ferrari. A little photo shoot, oh. Sexiest team on the grid. I'm putting that out there. Sexiest team on the grid. Sergio Perez, Mr. Smooth Operator. Charles Leclerc, sex on legs. Very good-looking team. Ferrari, very good-looking car, and Ferrari's team and pit crew, very good-looking as well. They're looking very nice indeed. I just want to keep them improving. I want Ferrari and McLaren to have the same sort of competition that Red Bull and Mercedes are hopefully going to have at the end of the year. I really want every position to be fought for up until that last race because uh, it makes racing that much more exciting. Number two, McLaren. Now, I don't think they're going to be number two for long. I love what McLaren are doing because right now you've got Danny Rick, new to the car, but he's starting to turn it around. He has the head-to-head on his teammate in qualifying. Did you know that? Three to one, Danny Rick over Lando Norris. But that uh, also a good-looking team again. Very good-looking team. Um, but McLaren are looking very, very nice indeed. Again, no car issues really. Um... It's just a bit of inconsistency from Lando Norris. And I don't know if that's just the young driver in him, but you think, what's this, his fourth, third year in the McLaren? You'd want him to turn it around now. You want to see those consistently pushing into the thirds and fourths. Like Charles Leclerc's got it in the Ferrari right now. He's, what did he finish? Fourth, sixth, fourth, sixth, or something like that. Or, or sixth, fourth, sixth, fourth, something like that. Um, you want to see now Norris doing that as well, not getting a podium. Not then struggling to qualify quick enough. Like, you know, you want to see that consistent speed up the front. That's what makes a good driver great, is consistency. That they're not dropping out of the points, they're not DNFing. Last year, what happened to Max Verstappen? He's on, he's on the podium every single race. Oh, except for the six, where he DNF'd. right, and a lot of that was the car issues, not him crashing. But still, it's all about consistency. That's what separates the good from the great. You'll get there, kid. You're just young, inexperienced, but keep it coming. And Danny Rick will help you. I mean, he's he's flawed as well, but he's had a good season so far. He's starting to turn around and get that car. He knows what he's doing now. Number one process of elimination. You've guessed it, Mercedes. I can't fault them. I don't want to keep saying it, but they're, they're that's the benchmark right there. That's what all other cars are measured on because Mercedes are doing their fine. Bottas, I mean... He hasn't been... Like, we we look at Bottas like he's the lame duck on the team. He hasn't been bad. He's just not Lewis Hamilton. Lewis Hamilton's a freak of nature. Like, his car's been slower probably, you know, what, three out of the four races? Or even half the races? But he's won three of them. He's won three of the four races. You know, he lost in Imola to Max Verstappen. But that was after he went off the track... Slid off the track in wet conditions, able to get the car started, able to reverse onto the track. Illegal, mind you. And then able to finish second after passing everyone too. So he, he's he been absolutely phenomenal. Best start to a season for him. Valtteri Bottas is still doing his thing. He's, being, he's doing the team thing. He's up the front. He's helping Lewis out. Yeah, he challenges Lewis a little bit. Um, but Lewis is good enough to know that it, it's good for the team. When he's doing that sort of stuff, it's good for the team as well. So, Mercedes, I can't fault you. A few of your pit stops have been a little bit messy, but no issues with the car, no issues with the drivers. Everything's going nice, and that's your powering. What do you think? Number 10, Haas. Nine, Williams. Eight, Aston Martin. Seven, Alfa Romeo. Six, Alfa Tauri. Fifth, Alpine. Four, Red Bull. Three, Ferrari. Two, McLaren. And number one, Mercedes. Head over to the socials. Let me know what you think. But I think there's nothing wrong with that. Also, what I say goes, and if you disagree with me, come on, you don't want to, you don't want to disagree with your boy, cool, do you? You don't want me to have to lay the law down, throw the hammer down. Anyway, that's your power rankings for the constructors. Looking forward to the race this weekend. We'll have a little chat about the constructors' power rankings before the next one, or maybe the week after. We might wait a couple of weeks when we do our quarter season review, hand out some awards, see how we're tracking along. Alright guys, settle down, settle down. It is the end. I'm sad too. I hate to say goodbye to the to the people that I love. Oh, my little Cordie fans. It's the Cordopotamus here. Coldasaurus Rex. Or twinkle in my eye. I hate. I hate to say goodbye, but that's gonna do it for another show. Make sure you head over to the website if you've missed any episodes. Parkingmyfairmate.com. Also the socials at Parking My but more importantly, subscribe, follow, do your thing. Tell your friends. Hey? Eh? Don't be selfish. Yes, you're lucky enough to listen to the greatest podcast that's ever been produced ever. you're not telling your friends about it shame shame on you but i really appreciate you guys for listening as always thank you so much for stopping by Thanks. thanks for listening